Report recorded live from inside the Pooptronic Cellular Undersea Base 0001, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. He got a call from Tony Rome. The FBI was tapping his telephone. He's your host, IC Robots. If you're looking for me, you better check under the sea. It is your dude, IC Robots, and I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak in this week. This weekend is going to get so much less week. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. I'm I'm 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Everything is true. It's all real. Let's uh let's take a listen to this new jam they've been working on over in well over in the other side of the uh, undersea base. Let me find it. I'll be right back. the future. Hey kids, it is me, Icy Robots, and I am back. That, of course, was, that was Vincent Kate. She came down, she came down below with us. Everybody, everybody's here. Iceberg's here. Emily's here. So much, so much has transpired since last, since last we spoke. But first thing first, that was, that was a verse from Let Me Adam by, by Inspector Deck, who you might know from the, uh, from the Wu-Tang Clan. This was this was one of his first, if not his first, solo efforts. It was off the Tales from the Hood soundtrack. Inspector Deck. Inspector Deck, dude, he doesn't get the doesn't get the credit he deserves. He he is a very capable MC, dude. Dude has the skills to pay the bills. Let me add him is one of my one of my favorite jams of all the times. Go go and Google that. Thanks. Thanks, Anson Kate. Thanks for Anson Emily for working that out while well, everything is in a state of flux. So, since since last we spoke, so many weird things have gone on. A a pooptronic shuttle landed and picked us up like I think 13 minutes after we finished recording the the summer movie awards. And we were informed by a couple pooptronics movers that we had we had 13 minutes to get our stuff, get back on the shuttle and get get the heck out of here because they were going to be dropping us off at, well, they were going to be dropping us off under the sea. Well, actually, they dropped us off at what appeared to be like an oil, like an oil rig, one of those deep sea stations, and we were, we were pushed down some tubes into this, into this base, 6.5 miles below the ocean surface. If you know a little bit about deep sea exploration, you know that the Marianas Trench was the 
and I say was, the deepest place in the ocean. It's six miles down, but a a recent discovery by some of the by some of the Commodore's dudes. The Commodore, of course, is the he's the crazed billionaire owner of Pooptronic. Some of his dudes went down like another half a mile, and they discovered a deeper point. It it's a bit of a hole. It's a hole down there at the end of the Marianas Trench, and they have named this the the Commodore Trench, and that is that is where we are right now. The the long-term plan is to set up some kind of some sort of oceanic cellular service for people on people on boats, I guess, cruise ships, fishing vessels, uh I don't know, whatever kind of boat that you happen to be on. He wants to put cell service throughout the ocean with a series of deep sea bases, and we are we're the first. The uh what's our designation? Zero 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 one, that is that is where we are. Pooptronics deep sea base zero 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 one in the Commodore's trench six point five miles below. It's you might be wondering what it's like here. It's a bigger than the it's bigger than the Jupiter station by a lot, and there are there are people here, actual people. There's not not just me and Emily and Iceberg and some miners and Kates. There are folks like all around the place doing various deep sea things. There are a lot of windows you can see out from almost everywhere. I've seen so many strange creatures looking out the window. I saw a I saw a spotted shark. It had it had glow-in-the-dark spots, and it had those, what do you call it, like an antenna with a with a glowing orb on the end, like that one fish, the angler, that you could see. But it was definitely, definitely a shark. It had a shark fin, but it, it had some a glowing accoutrements for the dark, deep sea that we are in now. I don't know. I don't know how long it is that we're going to be down here. Honestly, if if that was something you were you were wondering, the... The fleas and the rats and the pirates have really done a number on the base over the year. And as I as I understand it, the deep space cellular service hasn't been taking off as well as as well as the Commodore had hoped. So I I just don't know if he's gonna put the money back into to redo the base to the fine fine splendor that it deserves. So until until those decisions are made, we are down here below the sea. I don't have a... We don't have the recording studio set up as of yet, and we don't even really know if that's something we're going to be able to do. I am in a an area near the wall of the... Like, way in the back of one of the main pods. There, There's nobody here right now, but usually it's hard to find somewhere that there's nobody else at. That's why that's why you can hear that gurgling sound. There's like, you can hear it from the, the outside, but it's not a lot I can do about that until we can find some area that we can use to set up the mixing board and the mics and all that stuff. I I have my mic and my laptop, and I'm, I'm here in... I guess you can also hear like a little bit of the people in the back. There are You can also sort of hear into like the next room. There's some kind of some kind of office set up in there. There are just I wouldn't say a ton of people, but in an area an area this side. Now it's a lot bigger than the Jupiter moon base, that's for sure, and there are numerous pods and such, but each pod 
each pod isn't like as big as, you know, an office building. They're they're big enough. But when you have like, you know, 30, 40 people around, they you see people, you hear people, but that is, you know, that just is what it is, I guess. I, I, I'm still in, in, in a bit of a shock. I was aware of these undersea bases, but I, I never thought that I would be inside of one. Just the other day, I was I was up in the moon base. I'm so familiar with the moon base. And down here, I don't even know where the cafeteria is. Nobody, Nobody's, like, taken us around and shown us either. I don't, I don't know how uh, well planned out this was in, in advance. It kind of kind of feels like we just we just got shot down here and nobody seems uh overly prepared to have us but it's fine we'll adjust everything will be good once once they start getting the uh, the cell stuff in effect we can go back to work and everything i'm sure i'm sure we'll adjust fine uh hey look at that i, I wish sometimes i wish this was on video because i just saw the weirdest like the weirdest fish go by. It had a like a super big front and a really small rear. It was like sort of like a like a triangle, like a with the base, the base in the front, and the face was it was rounded off and it had the biggest eye. The eye was like the size of a dinner plate, and it had giant teeth. So so strange. It was also it was also neon green, which is crazy because we're so so far down below. But um. I don't know. We're going to just try to made, like make the best of it, do whatever we can to to fit in. I don't know. Emily's off doing something. Kate, Kate somewhere. Iceberg is somewhere. I guess I guess Emily's going to put this all together later on her computer and uh, work this work this into a dope show. I'm just I'm just recording these recording these folks. Let's uh Let's move into the next segment. Uh, it's called At the Movies. I'm going to talk about a movie I saw. It was called Black Klansman. In a moment, At the Movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that Do Roper. But you've got icy robots, so that's something, right? KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? I'm going undercover in the Ku Klux Klan. You ready? Born ready. The wars are coming. I gotta get in deeper with these guys. That's what I'm talking about. Power to the people. Black Klansmen in theaters August 10th. Before this whole thing happened with the with the transfer, I was able to get over to Summerfield Cinema and check out Spike Lee's latest joint. This one is, uh, it's a movie called Black Klansman with, uh, three Ks in the middle, like the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, the Evil Klan. This is, this is a story, well, I think I'll just, I'll just read this directly off. They hand out these little flyers about the movies at the Summerfield, and they're always, they're always informative. Let's see what it says. It's the early 1970s, and Ron Stallworth is the first African-American detective to serve in the Colorado Springs Police Department. Determined to make a name for himself, Stallworth bravely sets out on a dangerous mission, infiltrate and expose the Ku Klux Klan. The young detective soon recruits a more seasoned colleague, Flip Zimmerman, into the undercover investigation of a lifetime. Together, they team up and take down this extremist group in an incredible 
true story. That's the crazy thing about this whole deal. It's a it's a true story. It's based on a true story. You know how you know how these things do. The movie stars John David Washington, who is he is the son of Denzel Washington. He is on he's on that HBO show Ballers with The Rock. He is the guy who plays football. Adam Driver, good old Kylo Ren, is in this as he's Flip Zimmerman, his partner. Also, Topher Grace. Topher Grace, who you might know from that 70s show, plays, he plays David Duke, and like I said, this was directed by Spike Lee. I, I really enjoyed this movie. It felt timely with the, with the rise of, uh, white supremacist groups here in the States now. This movie was, it was really timely, and, and the dude, David Duke, has been in the news as of late, and it was interesting to see, see this performance by Topher Grace. Which um which shows you a bit of his background. I I also like uh John David Washington. He has he has like a weird, funny kind of way about him that I that I like. I could see him really excelling in like action comedy kind of things because I feel like he has like a natural like a, just a natural funniness to him. I, I I like him. I think that he has a really really good uh really good on screen personality. I mean his dad's his dad's Denzel. So what else? What else do you need to know? I could really see this dude making it big, though. He has, he has something going for him. The movie has, has a lot of the, the, like, Spike Lee tropes that you know and love. It's sort of, it blends things into, like, modern day events. And a lot of the way, the way things are shot has a lot of, uh, Spike Lee signatures. But I, I don't mind that sort of thing. I'm not, like, the biggest Spike Lee fan in the world. He's definitely made movies that I like, he's also made movies that I, that I don't like, he feels like he goes from, like, the highest of the high, to the lowest to the low, I don't, I don't want to rate Spike Lee movies, but a lot of them are really great, and a lot of them not so great, you know, one I really do like is Inside Man, the, the one about the bank heist with, uh, with Denzel and Clive Owen, I always watch a bit of that when I see it on HBO, or, like, on FX, or wherever it plays, that would be a good, a good one to have on Blu-ray, Inside Man, because it feels like you can just, you just pop it in, go all the way through it, I bet you can pick that up for, like, four or five bucks nowadays, just while we're, while we're talking Blu-rays, and I don't, I don't want to delve, like, into this too deeply, I picked up American Hustle on eBay on Blu-ray for three forty-nine with free shipping, and I got, you know, a little expertise in the shipping business, so I, I estimate that to be maybe like $2.69, and you'll probably, probably pack that in like a padded envelope, so I just sort of feel like, overall, they're making like 99 cents off this movie, and American Hustle is a fantastic movie with Christian Bale and Amy Adams, and who else is in that, just everybody, Jeremy Renner is in it, it's just a, just a terrific movie, and I'm, you know, happy to add it to my, to my somewhat growing Blu-ray collection for only like, three dollars. Uh, yeah. Can, can you keep it down in here? We're trying to work in the next pot over. What? I, I, don't, I don't... You're making a racket and you're just going to push away. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll go somewhere else. I'm sorry. Okay, I just, you know, wanted to let you know. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if I'm being loud enough to scare the fish away. We, we ducked into this storage area by... By the other side of the pod, we were able to get away from that gurgling sound. And when I say we, I mean me. I I always refer to the show as we when it's just me at this moment going around with my 
with my recording device. Uh, let me, let me just, I don't know, I'll get out of this really quick. I, I thought the movie was really good. It is just over two hours long. It is at, it's like 86 on tomatoes. That was the last time I looked. I don't have access to a to a computer. It was somewhere in the 80s to the 90s, so I I liked it a lot. On the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic, I am going to give Black Klansman a real solid four mics. Four mics. Kids, it is me, Icy Robots, and we are back for another exciting installment of From Ace to Zartan, where in which we take a look at, this is, I would call this a figure-by-figure look at G.I. Joe, year-by-year, and the year that we're going to be taking a look at this time is, uh, it's 1983, the second year of G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. The, the main thing that 1983 brought to us was... It is an action feature known as the Swivel Arm Battle Grip. Basically, basically all the figures could twist their wrist around 360 degrees. This feature allowed for more dynamic posing of the weapon. You could, you could like make your dudes hold the gun sideways. You could angle it better. It was, it was a very attractive feature. Another thing that they did was that they... They went ahead and altered the formula for the plastic, making it less, making it less brittle. One thing we know is year one G.I. Joe thumbs break like crazy. You have to be super careful when you try to put the guns in their hands. As a matter of fact, for like most of my 1982s, I don't even, I don't even try to put the gun in because I don't want, I don't want the thumb to break. They, they went ahead and they fixed this the next year using a much softer more pliable plastic for the hands. The swivel arm battle grip led to retooling of the original 1982 figure. So in 83, we saw everybody re-released again. And I'm I'm reaching away here for my notes. In 1983, we saw everybody re-released all over again. And by everybody, I mean Breaker, Clutch, Grand Slam, Flash Hawk, the, the dude himself, Cobra Commander, Grunt, Rock and Roll, Scarlet, Snake Eye, Short Fuse, Stalker, the Cobra Soldier, and the Cobra Officer, Steel, and Zap. All those guys were re-released all over again with retooled swivel arm battle grip arms. So 1983 saw everybody in 1982 re-released, and it also saw a whole bunch of really great new guys. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go through these kids alphabetically. The first guy is Ace. 
Ace is the overall first G.I. Joe alphabetically in like all the, uh, all the G.I. Joes. That's when we go from Ace to Zartan. Ace is the pilot of the Sky Striker. The Sky Striker is the, the big F-15. Is it an F-15 or is it an F-16? I don't. I do not know. I am not an expert on military aircraft. Ace is in an all-white suit and he has a bubble dome helmet that connects to the it has, like, I would say, like, these big shoulder pads coming out, and the helmet clicks into these shoulder pads. I've never had Ace. I've never had the Sky Striker. I think that they're cool, and I would love to have one. I'd I'd hang it from the ceiling, but I have never, ever had one. Ace has also eluded me. His file card says that he got into the military because he was, he was, like, way into poker, and he kept delving deeper and deeper into strategy games, and eventually, eventually it led to him fighting Cobra in an airplane. I always thought it was interesting that they had... They had a dude who was designated with a vehicle. When I was a kid, it always made me wonder, was there only one Sky Striker in all of G.I. Joe? Was this guy, he was so great that he was like a one-man, he was a one-man squad, and that was the only, the only one there was. And then I would see the cartoons, and everybody would be flying planes. I could see Duke, Scarlet, everybody flying F-15s, and then he wouldn't even, you would hardly ever even see Ace. I feel like Ace was slept on, and that he was nowhere near as popular as his... As his vehicle was, um, he, he went to Top Gun school. This is off of his file card as well. He, I wonder, does this predate the movie Top Gun? I don't even want to look it up. I don't even care that much. I'm just, I'm a little bit curious about that. And don't tweet me. I'll eventually look it up, I guess. Top Gun was released in 1986. Three years after Ace was created. It doesn't really matter. I like Ace. He's a very plain-looking figure. He doesn't come with a gun. He doesn't come with a knife. He doesn't come with anything except for that bubble dome helmet. But still, but still, he's cool, man. Ace. He has that winning name. Ace is a good name. There's no way around that fact. Up next, alphabetically, is Airborne. Airborne is the helicopter assault trooper, and he comes with a helmet, a backpack, and an XM-16 assault rifle. That looks like an M-16, but it has a bayonet in the, uh... The stock is different. Airborne is the kind of dude he's gonna like jump out of a helicopter and attack Cobra on sight. I dig it. That is uh that's a deadly way to go through life. Airborne grew up with a privileged lifestyle. He is a Native American chap. He graduated law school, and then after doing that for a minute, decided, you know what? There's not enough action in being a lawyer for me. I wanna I wanna jump out of helicopters and slit Cobra's throats. There is a variation on Airborne's backpack. The inside can either come with a nice smooth surface or one with sort of an upraised cross. The one at the cross seems to be more difficult to obtain. I like Airborne. He's another one that I have never myself owned, but I would I would definitely like to. He's just, you know. A real straightforward guy. He has tan pants and a blue vest with, like, knee pads. I I dig him. He's just, like, he's just, like, a straight-up, real-to-the-bone, soldier-type action dig. Up next, going, uh, going the alphabet route is Cover Girl. Cover Girl is the Wolverine driver. Her original code name is Hurricane Helga, and her real name was initially listed as Ariana Krieger, as opposed to the, uh, the Courtney Krieger that they later went with. Her MOS was designated as Tank Driver until Hasbro officially named the tracked vehicle the Wolverine. Her prototype file card states that she started modeling at 17 but quickly grew disillusioned with the work and the people it attracted. Probably some like, 
Me Too type stuff or whatever. You know how that, you know how scummy that business is. She couldn't handle it anymore. So she, she joined the army and she, she started driving a tank. They say that she, she goes really far out of her way to break the stereotype of a beauty. She'll get dirty. She'll get nasty. She'll stab a cobra in the stomach if she has to. She'll fix her Wolverine herself. She'll do what she has to do to break that image of just being a pretty face. I've never had CoverGirl or the Wolverine. I know that this is becoming like a reoccurring theme, but there are going to be some that I have had. I just don't happen to have any of these. I think it's because two of the three are ones that came with vehicle. I definitely, definitely, definitely want CoverGirl, and I definitely want the Wolverine, even though I don't have... I don't have a lot of space on my shelf for vehicles right now. I would definitely make some for this guy, this gal rather, and her and her missile firing tank. Up next is a dude who is a rehash of series one, but I feel like there's enough of a variance that he, he was worth mentioning. This is Grand Slam. Grand Slam is, in this, he is the laser firing jetpack soldier. He came equipped with the, uh, with the jetpack, dude. You know, that cool jetpack deal. The first time around, it didn't come with anybody, and I think that, uh, I always use Stalker with it, but this time around, it came with Grand Slam, and the variant is that his front is painted silver as opposed to being painted red. This is, this is a highly desirable action figure, but that's mostly because the silver paint comes off very easily, so you don't find a lot of these guys in great shape. It comes with a helmet and a visor. Up next is Doc. Doc is the team medic. He is the first team medic. He comes in a nice, nice khaki outfit with a with what first appears to be a grenade launcher, but is actually a flare. And he also has he has a stretcher that attaches to the bottom of the dragonfly. It's great. I always I always wanted Doc when I was younger because I felt like my boys needed a medic. You know, they needed somebody to take care of him when Cobra, when Cobra filled him full of lead. And I, I never had somebody. Eventually, I had Lifeline, but I never had Doc. I liked Doc because he seemed more of, more of like an authentic medical guy from the Vietnam era. When we were younger, Vietnam was the war that we were all obsessed with. And he seemed like somebody who was just out of like the Quezon Delta or something. I could really see him... I could really see him slogging through the jungle, doing what he had to to go protect our guys. Doc, Doc's character was that of an avowed pacifist. He was one of the few G.I. Joes who did not have a gun, either molded onto their clothes or with them as an accessory. Doc was just, he was not about that. He was a high-level surgeon back in the real world, and he joined the military because he felt that our boys deserved, they deserved the best. In the G.I. Joe comic book, Doc... Doc met the, uh, ultimate fate. He was killed by, he was killed by some sort of a Cobra Viper. He was, he was one of a few dudes who was killed at the same time. I can't recall anybody else, but they all, they were all taken prisoner, and then they got sprayed. Doc, Doc, you didn't make it. I, I have Doc now. He's one of my favorites. I, I got him up there on my shelf of Joe's. I think that, I think that, um, I don't know. I just, I like the fact that these guys... They're going off to war, and they have somebody here who will take care of them. Doc is a great, great action figure. They'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. Cobra's attack here on Winter Outpost. Call the members of the G.I. And here's Gung Ho, Airborne, Doc, and Snow Job. And every Joe has a two-handed battle grip. Get aboard the Battle Bear. It's G.I. Joe to the rescue. G.I. Joe. American hero. 
G.I. Joe Battle Bear. Joe and Cobra figures each sold separately from Hasbro. All right, we are back, and we'll soon get to some of those dudes in, in that commercial. But first, we have, we have Grunt. Grunt was first issued in 1982. He also came out in in this set in two different forms. One in one in green with the battle arms, the swivel arm, battle grip rather, and with a with a tan outfit. The tan outfit version came with the Falcon Glider, which is this is the one we're talking about right now, the tan grunt. I had I had this one. I had the Falcon Glider. It was it was destroyed the first time that I that I took it out, but I had the, I had the grunt for the longest time. He doesn't come with any, any weapon or backpack. He does have a helmet, but he came with the glider. The next is, the next dude alphabetically is the G.I. Joe Marine Gung-Ho. Gung-Ho was one of the main dudes on the show and in other media too, the comics and stuff. He was definitely one of the one of the top-rated Joes. I've never had, I've never owned Gung-Ho. He's one that I, I do want to get. I just haven't, I haven't seen the opportunity to pick him up. He, he has a very interesting outfit. It is, it's almost village people-ish. He's wearing a vest with his shirt open. He has the marine symbol tattooed on his chest. He has a cute little hat and some camouflage pants. He comes with a grenade launcher and a back. It's blue. It's like a blue backpack. Gung-Ho, though, is definitely... He's one of the dudes, man. He got a lot of airtime on the show. If you if you had to, like, pick, like, your top ten Joes that had the... Like, the biggest shadow. You know, they cast the biggest shadow. I feel like Gung-Ho would, uh... He would be on that list. I, I don't have any real, like, anecdote about Gung-Ho. Let's see what I can find right here. He was born into a large back swamp Cajun clan, and he was uh, working in the family poaching business by the age of 13. By 17, he had moved to New Orleans and became a noted, a noted bare-knuckle fighter. He was, uh, he's out there punching dudes in the face. That's not, that's not cool, but at least he, at least he saw that he had that proclivity, and he got himself into the, into the military. That's a great place to take that kind of, uh, that kind of aggression, and it took him far. He made the G.I. Joe team. He turned his aggressive nature into a real, uh, a real positive for the country. I can definitely, I can definitely dig that. Let's, uh, let's scooch on to the next dude. The next dude is one of my favorite Joe figures of all the Joe figures has ever been. This is a guy who goes by the name of Snowjob. Snowjob is the Arctic Trooper. He is dressed in all white with a parka. With a furry collar that surrounds his head. He has a red beard and big black goggles. He comes with some of the some of the great accessories in the early figures. He has a rifle. He has a rifle, which is an XMR R34, and he has skis and ski poles. The skis and the ski pole attach to his backpack. So it becomes like this this sort of a sort of a sled that he he can wear on his back. I know that I did I did definitely have him sledding around on the backpack thing uh, when I when I was younger. He was one of my faves. I had this dude. I have I right now have two. I have two of them complete. I I pick him up loose whenever I see him, and I do see him from time to time, like in random random bins of action figures. He must have been a like a big seller at the time because there's like. 
I'm not going to say there's like a lot of him out there, but you know, you do, you do find a couple every year. I have him and one other complete, and I know that I have, I have a couple other loosey-goosey ones. One has, one has a broken, a broken crotch, and one I think is like a re-release. At one point, they re-released a lot of, a lot of Joes. He's more, he's more cream-colored than he is white. The one that I have now, my best one, it's not really that white. The the white figures sort of, they kind of, they yellow over time. And he's one that, this one that I have doesn't have a ton of yellowing, but it's not, it's not bone white either. I tried the, the peroxide treatment. If you take an action figure and you make like a solution of peroxide water, you can put it out in the sun in like a, you know, some kind of a container with like a clear lid and the, the sunbeams will bleach it out a bit. I've had... I've had a bit of success with this in the past. I did to a Wampa, a Star Wars Wampa, and it came out much, much, much better. But the the snow job did get a little bit better, but not really all that much. It's noticeable. It's definitely noticeable, but it's not fantastic. But still, I like him a lot. I like the way his rifle fits in his hand really, really smoothly. And I don't know. I like just the... I like the idea that he is an expert on this one area. I dig that. I, I kind of like, I like specialty guys. I guess that might be one of the things that draws me to G.I. Joe. Everybody is a, a specialist in, in one way or the other. As I recall, Snowjob's background was that he was a Olympic competitor in the, in the biathlon, the one where you ski and you also shoot, and he was recruited into the army. Or maybe he joined, maybe he joined willingly, but his his athletic acumen and his, you know, abilities that he led, led him all the way to the top, led him to being a Joe. Let's, let's get to the, the next guy. This is another, this is another specialist. This is Torpedo. And he was G.I. Joe Navy SEAL. When I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't really know what a Navy SEAL was. I think it, that, I think that in that generation, we called them like Navy Frogmen. I think that the Navy diver dudes that you would see in movies and stuff every once in a while. I think that those guys, those guys might have been Navy SEALs. I I think we all know now that SEALs are like the toughest and the dopest. But at the time, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't like a, a widely known thing. At least not to me. I think it was, it was like SEAL Team 6 that brought these guys to the forefront. I had, I had Torpedo back in the day. Now I do have him, but only, only without his accessories. I don't have the... I don't have the completed one yet. I would like to someday. He's a cool figure. He's in a black and gray scuba outfit with with like a mouthpiece and stuff. He comes with two flippers, a dart gun, and some kind of like an air tank backpack that looks as if it looks like it has missiles on the side. At least I always I would always pretend that there were uh, missiles there. It says on his file card that he was a black belt in Wushu. Kenpo Goju-Ru Karate, as well as, as well as being proficient in the Filipino butterfly knife, the Balasong. He, he trained at Navy Steel, Seal School, and then he went on to another, another top secret thing. He is, he is a strict vegetarian, and he is, he's regarded as a highly trained pro by his, by his teammates. That's nice. It's always nice to get credit from your, from your peers. I, I think this is a good figure. He's a very nice example of what, um, what G.I. Joe was capable of. There's, there's some nice details to his, to his legs, little, little pouches, and he has, uh, 
like a mouthpiece built in, and I really, I really dig the flippers. Let's, uh, let's move forward into the next dude. This is one that I had back in the day, and one, one that I have right now. He is the G.I. Joe Mind Detector, a.k.a. Tripwire. I had Tripwire when I was a kid. I got him at Ben Franklin's. I I was really attracted to the three minds that he came packed with. Tripwire is wearing all green. He has like a gray vest that I that I assume is to protect him from any kind of ordinance. He comes with like a mind detector. It's like a metal detector with a cable that connects to the backpack. And inside the backpack fits three landmines. I was super into these landmines for some reason. I would have, I'd have Tripwire, like, he would, like, hide them near Cobra, and then, like, Major Blood would step out, and he would get blown sky high. I, I don't know in the G.I. Joe mythos if Tripwire was supposed to be laying mines, finding mines, or both. I have, I have no idea. In my mythos, he, he buried mines as well, as well as finding them. Sometimes he would find them, dig them up, put them in his backpack. I guess he would defuse the, them first. He'd put them in his backpack and then go, then go bury him next to, uh, Cobra Commander's house. Let's, let's see what it says on his, his uh, dossier. Subject dropped out of high school at the naval base in Yosuku, Japan. His father is a career Navy. He spent two years in a Zen monastery where he was tossed out for breaking plates and being a general klutz. See, that's where, that's where you get a little bit of comedy. He used to be like a super klutz back when he was at the monastery, but now he has like, he has like nerves of steel that enable him to uh, pick any landmine up, diffuse it, stick it in his backpack and walk away, walk away unharmed. The next dude up is one that I do not have now, nor did I have as a youth. He was one of the... I would say he was kind of one of the main dudes. His name is Wild Bill. Wild Bill was the pilot of the helicopter known as the Dragonfly. Wild Bill had this, he had like this whole cowboy thing going on. He wore a cowboy hat. He talked, he talked all Western style. He, he was cool, man. He, uh, I would call him one of the main dudes on the show. I feel like you were always seeing Yo, I see it, Wild Bill, you're always hearing that country, that country twang. He is, he really, like, reminds me of a Vietnam-type dude, like Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now, flying around and loving the smell of napalm in the morning. His hat, his hat is really like one of those old cavalry hats, as opposed to, like, a cowboy hat. He, he's pretty standard otherwise. He does have two, two six-shooters, though, as his as his sidearm and his belt buckle has, I would call it the shape of a bull on it. To go with that, to go with that whole cowboy thing, the belt buckle wipes off pretty easily. A lot of the, a lot of the silver aspects of the early figures come off. They come off fairly easily. So if you find, if you find a wild build that has uh, that belt buckle, hold on to that as, as if it's made of gold because it just. It just might be. Wild Bill is the final of the G.I. Joe guys. Let's let's take a quick break and we will be back with the start of Cobra. He's a terrifying enemy of G.I. Joe. Destro is his name. Destro is his name. Evil Destro. Introducing Destro. You better watch out, Joe. Hey, 
Destro stealing our tank. We gotta stop him. We didn't get you, Destro. You've met your match, Joe. Destro is here. G.I. Joe Battle Tank comes with figure, other figures, and Destro sold separately from Hasbro. And now we begin our look at Cobra. For every great good guy, you need a great bad guy. And Cobra, Cobra was a great bad guy. Let's, uh, I got my guide way across over here. I should have been more prepared, but I was not. And I, I apologize. We got Destro up first. Destro is an arms merchant. He's the guy who sells Cobra all of those evil guns that they use. He sold them the mass device. He sold them the his tanks. He sold them everything, man. This guy, this guy is the scum of the earth. Weapons dealers are, I don't know, man. That's, that's a questionable trade. Destro has, he has a silver metallic head, an open shirt, and a black, a black jumpsuit. He comes with a small, like a small laser pistol and a backpack that if you open it up, you can see some of the wares that he has for sale. You can see like, you can see like little guns molded in there. It's a nice, it's a nice accessory. I have, I have a Destro. I do not have a 1983 Destro. I have one, he, I think he's the Iron Grenadier's Destro. He has a, like a golden head and a cape. This one though, I really like this action figure. I, I was never so much into the character of Destro back in the day. I. I I liked him. I thought he was, you know, a, a good adversary, but I thought that he took attention away from Cobra. I didn't like it when they changed the intro to say it's G.I. Joe fighting Cobra and Destro. I, I I don't know, man. It always it always bugged me. I wanted to keep Cobra as the main foil. I as much as I admire Destro, he wasn't he wasn't my dude. I do like him as a character in the comics. He he kind of comes across like he's noble, like he's a, a noble villain. He he is supposedly Scottish, if I recall right, and he is he's involved with the Baroness. That goes that goes like way back. I I believe, if I recall right, from the GI Joe comic run, they met like in their prep school days. Like each one was like wealthy upper crust, and they went to. They went to, you know, like a, like an uppy kind of, uppity kind of school, and they, they met there, and they both eventually became, they became terrorists. The, the next guy up is, there's, there's a pair of guys coming up. Each one is the driver of a vehicle. The first one is the Cobra Hiss driver. The Cobra Hiss driver is red. I didn't, I didn't have him back then, and I don't have him now. I have a Hiss. I actually believe I have three, three Cobra Hisses. It's a black tank with a turret that a, a person can sit in, and then there's also a driver. I don't have, I don't have the driver. Like I said, he's red. He has a silver logo on the front, and we've learned in the past, the silver wipes off. So keep an eye out, keep an eye out for that if you're gonna pick. If you're going to pick one of these guys up, he doesn't come with any, like, handguns or whatever. His accessory is the tank, or maybe, maybe more accurately, he is the accessory to the tank. Hold on one sec. The next guy is the Viper pilot. The Viper is, 
It's the Cobra plane. This plane is dope. It's like, it's like reminiscent of a Vietnam era fighter plane. It's really, really great. I've never, I've never had this. I have wanted it someday. Someday, hopefully, I will have this. There were actually two more figures in this set, but they, they have sort of a disputed date, so I thought that, I thought that I would bring them up toward the end. They are two mail-away characters. The first one is, the first one is Duke. Duke was one of the big, big characters on the show. He's the first, the first sergeant for the team. I have Duke. I have him right now, I have him complete, I put him together, I had the figure, and then I put together the pieces. I I also had him back in the day, I mailed away for him. He comes with, he comes with a M32 submachine gun, binoculars, backpack, and a helmet. I also, I also recall there was like a small sticker that came with him. It was like an American flag, and I was never, I was never really clear what I was supposed to do with that sticker. I stuck it... I stuck it on the headboard of my bed. Duke is cool, man. I got I got no problem with Duke being one of the main dudes. Another guy is Major Blood. Major Blood is a mercenary that works for Cobra. He is he is Australian and he was another mail away guy that I I also remember remember getting. I was big into mail aways back in the back in the olden times. If it was something where you had to like collect points in this case you had to collect flag points off the back of the uh, back of the cards. If I, if I saw something where you had to do something like that, I was I was all over it. I would go for a free figure, even though it was not really free. He comes with a like a laser laser pistol and like a missile backpack. He has one arm that looks like a robot arm, like he's Misty Knight. He is Australian, like I said, and he is. He is known as a poet. He has been published in a few a few prison journals. I I like Major Blood. He's always been a fave of mine. I have a Major Blood now. He was one of the first dudes I got when I got back into collecting loose G.I. Joes. I have I have really good memories of getting him in in the mail. It's one of my, my favorite things. It was it was always so great to get mail back in the back in the back in the times. I I've said back in the times too many, too many times, but, uh, but it's like, I'm reminiscing, you know, I'm, what, what am I supposed to say? So, it was always fun to get stuff in, in the mail. Now, it, it is still fun to get stuff in the mail. I got, I got a package from, uh, my man, my man Phil Carey. He sent me a, he sent me a Happy Meal box. I, I was ecstatic. I got that the other day, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, a package. I opened it up, there it was, it was completely unexpected. He said he was going to mail it, and I knew, I knew that he was good for it, but you never know when something's going to show up. You never know how the mail is, and when it, when it arrived, I was super pleased. So, Phil, if you're listening to this right now, I got to give a big up to you. Phil is the dude who won the Christmas, Christmas junk box. Very, very generous dude with the toy, uh, toys for tots. So, so there you have it. There are all of the figures in the 1983 Series 2 G.I. Joe. We have gone from Ace to Zartan for this year, and, well, let's take a quick break, and we will be back with the, uh, with the final season of the show. 
covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Shall we play a game? Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. Game over, man. Game over. Geekfest Rants is an entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. So say we all. So say we all. Join us by listening in at iTunes, YouTube, and at geekfestrants.com. You made it this far. It's time for the final segment. The Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. All right, we're back for the final segment of the show. Man, that's fun. I I love G.I. Joe. I love the characters. I don't know, man. They, they really speak to me. So let's see what's going on. Well, we've just been hanging and clanging down here on the... Uh, on the ocean's floor. I did get the chance to go to the flea market the other day. I'll I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh let's let's why don't we why don't we start off with maybe we'll start off with some voicemails. I know we got I know we got one around here somewhere. If you if you would like to send us a voicemail man, feel free to do so. The the number is is 707-532-JAMS. That is 5267-707-532-JAMS. You can call, you can leave us a voicemail. You can leave us a text message if you want. And if it's cool, if it's funny, I'll I'll read it on the air. If you send us a message, I'll play it on the air. It's fun. You want to send some feedback? Let me know what you think about us being down here at the bottom of the sea. I would be, I'd be interested to hear your take on that. I'm still... Still thinking about the summer movie awards. If you got some feedback about that, I would I would definitely hear it. I I don't know what's up with my voice right now. It's it's going all over the place. I'm a bit out of sorts, man, being down here. It's weird. It's cold. It's cold all the time. I I have my, you know, my Pooptronics jumpsuit on. I've had to put on like a Pooptronics sweater. They have these uh these big fluffy sweaters that they wear down here and I got I got like a like a cap, like a beanie hat that I that I wear. It's like an Oakland A's Beanie Hat, I'm a big A's fan. They're they're battling. Battling for first. I wanna know how that's how that's going, but we don't we don't get the baseball updates down here till till the next day. I can't explain why that is. It's just just the way that it is. Let's let's dig around and find a voicemail. I got one right here. Let's let's check it out. Hey IC Robot, let me interrupt your show for a second. Last time you took calls, I heard that the sensational Gino Vega might make a comeback. Some people might know, but if they don't, I'm going to tell them. Other than the creator, administrator, and ultimate bad dude on Classic Wrestling Stars Facebook page, I'm a world traveler. That's right. I've been from coast to coast and all over the globe. You name it, I've been there. And it was all good. But now, everywhere I go... Ice Robots Radio Network, people ask me, when's the sensational Gino Vega coming back? Where's it, his podcast? Where's Gino Vega? Everywhere I go, man. So let me tell you something, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, if that is your real name, this has got to stop. People are driving me crazy, and it's your fault. At this exact moment, I have a call waiting on the other line, and they're probably going to be asking me about you. So go back to 
doing your podcast. If not, you and me are going to have to take care of business inside the ring. And I know you don't want that. Not even your hero, Roman Reigns, will be able to help you there. Yikes, man. Those are some those are fighting words. Not so much the podcast part, but when you got to where you... You mentioned Roman Reigns. Those are definitely fighting words as far as Gino Vega is concerned. Uh, I actually talked to Homie today and he told me that he has, uh, he's like most of the way through an episode. So I, I, I think that he, I think that he's telling the truth. I think that he will be back and I think that we will all, I think that we'll all be happy. That was, that was of course our dude Javier from the Classic Wrestling Stars Facebook page. He's one of my favorite Facebook pages. I keep saying that over and over and over again, but he keeps posting these these magazine covers that makes me, makes me fall in love again. That was, that was a heck of a promo, dude. I, I don't know where to take it from there. I, I was over at the Target. I hate leading off with I was over at the Target. It was so much more fun to be like I was over at the Toys R Us, but I am. In fact, at the, at the Target, speaking of Toys R Us, they, they finally took the big word, the big light up Toys R Us off the, off the front of the building. I wonder what happens to something like that. If you are in some sort of a business where you know, please reach out to me. I'm totally curious what happens to a sign when it comes down. I would I would be willing to put some money into acquiring this sign. Not a lot. They took it down and I'm, you know, I'm all out of sorts. I'm down at the bottom of the sea. It's all weird. But I, I was able to get over to the Target to pick up another Mego. We have like... Two targets in Santa Rosa, and then there's one in Ronard Park, and then we went to the one in Vallejo. So I've hit up, like, all those targets, and only one. The one in Cottingtown has the Migos, and they haven't restocked at all since the the first time they put them out. The first day, it looks like the 12 inches got wiped out. People went for the Harley Quinn, they went for the Batman, they went for the uh, Wonder Woman. They left the General Zod. All that's there is General Zod, and he's been sitting there like... The entire time, and they haven't, they haven't restocked the standard Migos either, it looks like. There's still no Draculas, still no Jimi Hendrix. I saw my man, uh, saw my man Rob from the zonabase.org. He got himself up on a Dracula, so I have not given up hope that maybe someday I will. You can't even pick him up on the, on the, the Target website. I looked, I never, I never do that, but I want it so bad that I... I consider just buying it online. I haven't seen it. I I did pick up a second Mego. I got Chekhov. I was really torn between Chekhov, who I do need to finish my bridge set, or or Action Jackson, who I like. I like his jumpsuit. It's like my Pooptronic jumpsuit. I like I like his little gun. I think he's cool. I also I really considered Norm when I when I consider Migos from the past, one of the things I look at is I I really respect how they had all these wacky licenses like Welcome Back Cotter, like Chips, just all these wacky ones. And when I look at some of these ones they have now, like Cheers or Married with Children, I think I think that's such a wacky license. And I I should probably get up on it because if I saw, like, a Mr. Cotter at the flea market, a Mr. Cotter Mego, I would scoop it up and think it was just, like, the coolest, funniest thing. So, in reality, like, seeing a Norm Peterson from Cheers with a little beard should be the same thing. So, I considered him as well, but I, I ended up going with, I ended up going with Chekhov. I haven't opened him yet. I, 
I imagine he's like the same quality as the Sulu, but it's going to be cool to have him up on the bridge, my vintage Mego bridge, and have that all, that all set straight. They, they posted over on, on the Mego museum that they have, they got like a small corner of a snapshot of a couple of figures from the, the wave two. One of them, one of them was Kiss. I think, I think it was Gene Simmons. I don't know. I cannot recall. But then they showed a small snippet of a picture that appears to be, it appears to be Frankenstein. It's like green. You see like chains. That's who, that's who I'm thinking. I would definitely go for a Frankenstein Mego. I would be so all over that. I want him. I want Dracula. I want the world. I want all these. I, I really do dig the Mego scale. When I when I check out the the racks, like the Mego racks over at the uh, Target in Cottingtown, all of the female characters are left. There's like a million Tooties, a million Peg Bundies, a a million Alices. It looks like looks like the first two have rooted hair, but I think Alice has like flocked hair. I'm not I'm not too sure. They also have the gal from Charmed and the gal from Charlie's Angels with the with the rooted hair. I don't know. Maybe people feel similarly to me that rooted hair makes it a doll and that kind of that kind of stretches that fine line between playing with action figures and playing with dolls that uh that some people are fear to tread i picked up a uh i picked up a few comic books at the flea market the other day it was the it was the last 40 and 8 flea market of the year and it kind of caught me by surprise i thought it was a mojo sales but it turned out it was a uh it was a 40 and 8 so when i got there i wasn't i wasn't fully prepared man but i I still did my best. This is a pretty big flea market. It takes uh, like a couple hours to go through if you're really, if you're really digging hard. And toward the end, I found, I found a big box of comics that some guy had and he had them for a dollar each. And I, I went through those. I looked around. There was, there was a lot of interesting stuff. But as I, as I'm working on that comic book, that comic book reorganization project in the garage, I don't want to get I don't want to get slogged down with, you know, various, various this and that, but I did, I did manage to pull out a few, not quite gems, but a, you know, a few interesting comics. I got, I got a Micronauts number one, Shogun Warriors number one, and Battlestar Galactica number one. These are, these are like 15, maybe $20 books at at the most, but I do think that they are neat. The Shogun Warriors number one has a really, it has a really great cover, and I've always been a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, and the Micronauts, the Micronauts are dope too. When I was a kid, I had, like, a couple Micronauts toys, but you know how they had the, like, the magnetic, the magnetic joints? I lost their arms and their heads. I just, I lost all of them over time. Those are, like, a toy almost for, kind of, Kind of not a teenager necessarily, but somebody who's a little bit older, a bit more responsible. And I had these back when I was in Illinois, and I I lost all of them. But I think that they are really neat. I wouldn't mind getting up on a couple now if I could find them at the uh, at the Forty and Eight Flea Market. But I'm I'm pretty pleased with these comics. They aren't necessarily wall comics per se, but they are maybe garage garage wall comics. I also I have like a display section in there too that uh. That has like a few comics. Nothing, nothing like awesome. I have like the first appearance of Booster Gold. I have like the first uh, issue of Captain Carrot. Things like that. Things that are, things that are more fun. The, uh, the much cooler, more, I hate to say valuable ones, but the older, cooler ones. They, 
They come in the house. They're on the wall of the uh, Earth base office. I I kind of wish I was there now. It's so it's so cold down here all the time. I I don't know if this is this is something I'll get accustomed to. Of course, it's like freezing cold up on Callisto, but we had we had like space heaters and stuff. The people here don't really seem they don't seem like super concerned with that kind of stuff. They they have parkas. There are parkas with the hoods up and I'm like like I said, I'm in my, my Proptronics band, brand uh, jumpsuit. I don't, I don't know, man. It's, this is all going to take like a massive amount of adjustment, I think. I, I hope to be there. I hope to be there soon. I think that, I think that I will. I don't know. I mean, I've uh, adjusted to, adjusted to life on Callisto, I guess. Before, before we go, I want to send a big, big shout out to Vic Sage. Just, just the other week, Vic Sage took the Summer Movie Awards, the previous, the previous episode, and he played it at the Arcadia Retrocade. He had, like, the worldwide premiere of the Icy Robots Radio Summer Movie Awards featuring Vic Sage, featuring Gino Vega, featuring many other, many other luminaries, Ferg, Carlos, Doug McCoy, and he played it on the big screen at the Arcadia Retrocade. That is, like... To me, that is beyond perfect. If you said, if you said you could premiere this anywhere you want, I might, I might very well pick the Arcadia Retrocade over in uh, Arkansas where Vic Sage lives. I've never, I've never been there. I want to. It's one of my, one of my holy grail trips, I think. And I, I'm just, I'm like, I'm pleased as punch to see, to see that it was up there on the wall. And I hope, uh, I hope all the kids over at, hope the kids at Arcadia dug it. I, I gotta give it up to all of you. Gotta give up to Arcadia. Gotta give up to everybody. So, I don't know. I think I'm gonna get up out of here. I, I gotta try to, I gotta try to find some kind of a purpose. They haven't really given us, like, a job or anything. I don't even know who I'm supposed to, supposed to report to or whatever. And I, I think Emily is hard at work on trying to find, like, a closet or some kind of recording area where you can, we can really cut loose. I don't. I don't know, man. It is what it is. So, I think next week I might actually talk about this comic book project that I've been undertaking. I'm almost, I'm almost done. And I, I have some, some like somewhat interesting findings, I think, of what my, what my collection actually consists of. You know, you have, you have like an idea of what you have. But then when you get it all sorted out, you kind of discover it's not necessarily what you what you thought it was, I guess. And I I don't know. It's not like there's any big secret or anything. Don't think that I'm like, I found Ash Comics number one and Detective 27 in there. It was great. Fantastic Four number one. I found all of them. It wasn't all like that. But uh, we, uh, you know, we'll talk about that next week. I think that should be fun. So I'm going to sign off. This is episode number 166 of the good old Toys R Us report for Engineer Emily, for Anson Kate, for Iceberg, for everybody out there. For uh, Javier, I don't know, Gino Vega, everybody, it's uh, until next time, if you don't know, now you know. Come on! Everybody love everybody! This is 36KICU, San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland. This has been I See Robots Radio production. I See Robots Radio is a listener-supported in day If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, 
please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.